0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to the prophet Joel. Joel is one of the minor prophets. It's two to the right from uh, Daniel. And so if, if you find Daniel, you move over to, you should find Joel as well. There's been a lot going on in our world, and I would hope that world events are weighing upon us, weighing upon our minds that we're thinking about these things, not just the kind of the, oh, this might be the end times kind of things. I mean, it may or may not, but I would hope that world events would cause us to think deeply about these things, and what is our place as the people of God? in making a difference in the midst of these situations. What are we doing to offer gospel solutions? I would hope that we do not dismiss things like the shooting in Buffalo, the shooting in Texas, and all these other shootings that are going on. You know, I hope we don't just dismiss them because they don't personally affect us. Or even merely dismiss them as, you know what, that's, that's just a, a political issue. That's a philosophical issue. That's not something that we have to bother with as Christians. Well, no, we do have to bother with them as Christians. We have to give an answer to these things because these events affect real people who are made in the image of God. And the world is waiting for someone to stand up and give some real answers. Waiting for someone to stand up and show them that there is hope, even in the midst of such tragedy. Because the ultimate answers are not the points that these political pundits are trying to make them out to be. The issue is not about guns, no matter which side of that issue you fall upon. The issue is the darkness and the wickedness that is displayed by these actions and why has there not been light to dispel that darkness why are these things happening in a supposedly christian nation if you haven't been asking yourself these types of questions we are asleep at the wheel because then we're acting like well we don't know and we don't care because it hasn't personally affected us, but you know what? We can do better and we must do better. I know now for some time, even before these shootings started happening, I was asking myself, self, what's going on with the church? Why in the world is the church in America that has so many freedoms, And has access to so many resources why is that church so anemic so powerless and so shallow why are we that way why am I that way why is the church in America why is our church why am I not making such an impact on the culture that these things would have been prevented by the light that we proclaim to have. Could it be it's because we aren't shining the light? Could it be that we have taken our light and hidden it under a basket? We've hidden it under a basket through our prideful and selfish outlook on life. It's all about me. But you know what? This world right now is crying out for a church that is strong in the power of the Holy Spirit shining the light of Jesus Christ who is the light of the world the world does not need a group of spectators meeting together who came to watch a show or listen to a pep talk and I believe God is ready and willing and we know he's more than able to restore his church in America so that it does shine his light bright in this present darkness the question is are we willing to pay the price to get there and so we're looking at the prophet Joel Joel was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah and he's preaching to the people and there appeared to have been this national tragedy where a plague of locusts came and ravaged the land But this plague of locusts was also a a picture, a a shadow, a meta of things that were to come. It was a foreshadowing of things to come because there would come an actual army into the land. And so these were dark times that were prophesying other dark times. And so it looked like everything was going to be dark. but, But Joel laid out God's plan of restoration so that the light of God would shine so that the power of God and his blessings would be with his people again. But that path of restoration goes through repentance. Repentance is that path to restoration. And what this means for us, the church of God, is that we can be restored to having God's power and blessing to shine the light of the gospel in this world, especially during these dark and desperate times. You know, we 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 are able to restore that light so that it dispels the darkness. And we're able to lead this world to the hope of Christ. But we have to walk the path. And so my prayer is that we would seek this restoration that is available to us so that we shine the light so that we are the ones to change this world. You know what? Christ started with 12 men. And then he started with 120 disciples. And it was them that went out and changed the world. Guess what? There's more than 120 of us in here today. Why should we not be the ones to go out there and change the world? Christ we can question is are we willing are we willing to walk the path I pray and hope that we are I want to read in 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 Joel chapter 2 verses 12 through 19 and, and see what God said through this prophet about this restoration that can come to his people so if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses and listen to what God says through the prophet. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers, of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, take your word and challenge us. Lord, to walk that path so that we are the world changers that is so desperately needed in these times and we ask it in jesus name amen thank you so much you may be seated So the, the path toward restoration is the path of repentance and god through joel tells us about this repentance because we have to repent of our selfish nonchalant attitudes we have to repent of our very me-centered lives. We have to repent about uh, of us having put Jesus and his word on the back burner in our lives. We have to repent of living in the flesh instead of the holy spirit. We need to repent of watering things down so that we can be comfortable. Joel is used of God to give the message Of repentance repent we can choose to ignore this message and then we can go on with our humdrum lives and then wonder oh my why is all this going on in the world people are sinners they need the gospel where is the gospel who's given them the gospel who is shining that light Upon them. I want to look at five characteristics of this repentance today. It will go very quick. And then hopefully we will be challenged. We will be challenged to take that path. Because this world needs us to shine the light of the gospel. First today I want to talk about the essence of repentance. The essence of repentance. In verse 12, God says, return to me. And in verse 13, Joel says, return to the Lord your God. So this is the essence of repentance. Repentance is returning to what you have left. Repentance is returning to what you have forgotten. Repentance is returning to what you have ignored. Repentance is returning to that which is of greatest importance. Repentance is returning to that which is of highest value. Repentance is returning to God through Jesus Christ. You know, we often, you know, we connect, connect repentance to initial salvation. Usually is when we use that term. And rightly so. I mean, Jesus died, he rose again so that all who believe in him are saved, but in order to believe in him, you have to turn or return to him. You won't believe on him if you're headed in the other direction. You need to turn to him. And believe in him, and so that's believe in the gospel. That's salvation, but the thing is, repentance does not stop there. Repentance isn't like, oh, okay, I believed in Christ. I can just go on my merry way and live life how I want to live my life. No, repentance is for everybody. Repentance is for the people of God. We find here, Joel is saying that God's own people have to go through a time of repentance. Repentance. Because even we, his people, we walk away from God. We we push God out of his rightful place in our lives. We leave him. We're the ones who left him. And so since we're the ones who left him, we're the ones who have to return to him. You know, if God and Christ have no part in your life other than coming to church on a Sunday morning, You've left him, and you need to return to him. If the decisions that you make in your life are driven by your own dreams and your own passions and your own desires and your own wants and your own ideas, instead of seeking his will and his purpose and his plans, then you have left him, and you need to return to him. If what you value in life has everything to do with you and nothing to do with him. You have left him, and you need to return. You need to repent. And so the essence of repentance is returning, turn and return to God. Now, guess what? If you're turning to God, that means you have to turn away from some things. You have to turn away from the things that are pulling you away from Christ. God forbid we we watch one less hour of TV every day so that we can seek God. God forbid that we sacrifice anything in order to seek God. And yet here is the call to return. And so if we want to be a restored church that shines bright, we have to return to the Lord our God. That is the essence of repentance. But Joel shows us another part of repentance here, and I call it the depth of repentance. The depth of repentance. You notice in verse 12 that God says, return to me with all your heart. And in verse 13, he says, rend your hearts and not your garments. So God is saying that this returning, this repentance, is not something that is just to be surface level kind of stuff this is not to be well I'll just go through the motions to get God off my back kind of stuff it is not enough to make empty promises it is not enough to leave church every week and say oh, you know what I I, I, I'm I'm gonna read my Bible more oh I'm gonna pray more I'm gonna volunteer a little bit more and then we even back down uh, on those small pathetic attempts You know, God is no fool. He knows the motivation of your heart. He knows whether or not what you say is true. And so God says, if you want to see a restoration in your church, and you want to see your church making a difference in this world, you need to return with all your heart. The whole heart. Everything that makes difference you, you, is to be a part of this repentance. He doesn't ask for a quarter of your heart. He doesn't ask for a half of your heart. He doesn't ask for three quarters. Return with your whole heart. God cannot be mocked or fooled by empty words. God cannot be mocked or fooled by trite attempts to pacify him. You know what? If, if I do some religious stuff for a, a week or two, maybe God will get off my back, or maybe things will change, or, or whatever. How dumb do we think God is? He's all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is everywhere present. He knows whether or not you truly are repenting and returning to him. And if we have no intention of returning to him, why go through empty motions? Why pretend to look all holy and all that in front of other people if you have no intention of repenting at all? Return to me with your whole heart. Whole heart. And he says, rend your heart and not your, your garments. You know, that the Jews, they would rend their garments when there were times of deep sorrow and You know, you read a lot about the Jews tearing their clothes at times of tragedy, or they had some bad news, or, you know, some other trouble came. It says, you know, they tore their their clothes. But you know what? Sometimes they would just tear their clothes for show. You Think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was just a spectacle so that other people would be impressed. It was just a spectacle to pretend that they were actually affected by what was going on. And so God says, you know, going through empty ritual and empty motion is not enough. Putting on a mask, putting on a facade is not enough. Merely saying you're going to repent, that is not repentance. True repentance starts on the inside, rending your heart. And then it works its way outside. Your heart is convicted your heart is moved your heart is changed but then if your heart is rent it will display itself on the outside in reality you know in here in our passage God says that this repentance it's with fasting and it's with weeping and mourning over sin I mean you will have genuine sorrow over your sin You'll have sorrow over your selfishness. You'll have sorrow over your pride. You'll have sorrow over your self-centeredness. And it will show itself in your act of returning to Him. And and so repentance is a return to God that starts in the heart and then it works its way out. It's a complete reorientation of heart and body. It's a reorientation of thoughts and actions. We rend our hearts, and then the rending of the garments comes later. And so the path path of repentance has the depth of the whole heart. But the third characteristic that I wanted to mention about repentance today, I want to talk about the basis of repentance. Because as much as it, it, it appears that what I'm talking about is negative, you know, we might think of it that way, Oh my goodness, Al is going all fire and brimstone on us or something today. It's not. It's actually a very positive thing. Because we are called to return to a God who loves us. We're called to return to a God who wants to shower us with mercy. We're not returning to an angry God. We're not not returning to a God who wants to berate us and scold us and belittle us. We're not returning to a God who's going to ultimately reject us and kind of send us on our way, pack our, you know, just pack our bags and go away. I want nothing to do with you. No. Our God's waiting for us to return. You know, He gives us relationship through Jesus Christ, and that relationship will never change. But God wants a, an unhindered fellowship with us. He. He he wants to fellowship with us, to be a blessing to us, to uplift us. He's waiting for us with (coughs) open arms for us to return. (coughs) Listen to how Joel describes God in verse 13. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious, he is merciful, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster, You know, that's our God, and those same exact words are used over and over and over again in Scripture. This is not some angry God that we're trying to appease. This is not some God who is looking for a reason to destroy us. God wants to bless us with himself. And God wants to use us. God is looking to empower us. See, the problem doesn't lie with God. God is not the problem. God is never the problem. The problem is us. We're the ones walking away from him. We're the ones who have built up this wall uh, so that the fellowship between us and God is all sorts of messed up. But he is looking for us to return. You know, in in the parable of the prodigal son, there there is the father who was sinned against. But it describes the father as, as constantly looking out into the distance, looking for the son that ran away, that walked away, wanting that son to return. And the second that that son kind of crests the hill and is seen by the father, it describes the father as running to him and hugging on him and loving him and restoring him to where he was before. Guess what? God is that father. He is gracious, he is merciful, he is slow to anger, he is a great God. But he's not the one who left. We're the ones who left. We are the ones who need to return. If we want to see God's light shine through us, we are the ones that have to return to this great, gracious, merciful God. Now, the fourth characteristic of repentance that I want us to look at is the extent of repentance. I want to talk about the extent of repentance. Beginning in verse 15, Joel tells the people to call this solemn assembly where the whole congregation is going to set themselves apart to come and repent toward God. And notice who it says is supposed to come to this assembly. It says, gather the elders, gather the children, gather the nursing infants. Get the bridegroom and bride out of their marital chambers. You know, that, that, that might sound weird. But in Jewish culture, after a wedding, the bride and bridegroom were exempt from, like, normal responsibilities and expectations of the Jewish culture uh, for about a year. So for a year, they didn't have to go to war. For a year, they didn't have to go to the feast and things like that. But Joel says, nope, this is so important. Even they need to be a part of this repentance. And so everyone is involved, young and old and everywhere in between, no matter our age, no matter our life situation, we are all to be a part of this great repentance. There's nobody that's exempt from this repentance. There's nobody exempt from taking part in this great return. You know, and, and so as much as we are to think about this returning as individuals, we also need to think about it as a congregation if God is going to use us as his people, if he is going to shine through us in this world that so desperately needs light, then it's going to take all of us to return. Everyone within the church, so that the church as a group can make a gospel impact in the community and all around the world. It's going to take all of us to return. We need, it's all of us that need to repent of wrong attitudes, wrong actions, wrong words, and things like that. It's the church as a whole, all of us, without exception, that must be a part of this. It's not going to do us any good if only the pastor and staff repent. It's not going to do us any good if only the deacons repent. It's not going to do us any good if only young people repent. It's not going to do us any good if only older people repent. Everyone needs to repent of every age. Youth, you're no exemption. You just went to camp, just came back from camp with a great challenge and with a great calling. Don't let that challenge and calling go in one ear and then out the other ear. Return to the Lord. Repent. Senior adults, don't think that, well, you know what? I've served my time. I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. Uh Uh-uh. If you have breath, and I'm assuming everyone in here does, guess what? You're to repent, and you are to serve the Lord. There's one more aspect about this repentance I want to touch on. I want to talk about the prayer of repentance. God, through Joel, calls the the leaders to to a prayer. But it's the aspects of that prayer that I think are just so uh, important. It should be the cry of our heart in our returning to the Lord. In verse 17, the prayer goes spare your people o lord and make, make not your heritage a reproach a byword among the nations why should they say among the peoples where is their god when we return to the lord we pray that well god doesn't make us a byword among the people that that we don't become a reproach among unbelievers that we want to pray that when unbelievers look at us we aren't The ones that they go, man, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want nothing to do with that. They get plenty of that on social media. They don't need to get that from us, and they don't need to get that from us on social media, and they don't need to get that from us uh, in our lives. Lord, don't, don't allow unbelievers to blaspheme you because I'm acting like a jerk, because I am not walking in your ways. Lord, work in me. Spare your people. Spare us from your judgment. Spare us so we're not a stumbling block for unbelievers. There's constant warnings for the church in Scripture. But specifically, you know, it makes me think about about the seven churches in Revelation that, you know, Jesus writes. Letters too, and whenever Eric fills in for me, you know he, he's going going through them. But five out of those seven churches are problematic. They're typical churches, I guess. They have some problems, and every single one of them, Jesus calls them to repent, and Jesus gives them an ultimatum. He tells them, "Okay, it, you either repent with your whole heart." Or I'm going to snuff your candle, which means I'm going to shut your doors. While God is very gracious and He is very merciful, He will not suffer with disobedient children forever. He just won't. There comes a time when a church is doing more damage than good to the kingdom in the world, and He'll just say, you know what, it's better for them to shut the doors. If a church is not walking close with him and and is not allowing themselves to be a receptacle of the light to shine in this world, frankly, what good is that church? It's not doing what it was created to do. What difference is the church making? Here's a challenging thought I want you to think of all week. If God closed the doors on our church, would anybody in the community or world care other than us? I want that question to hang over your head all week. And if your answer is, I don't know, or if your answer is, you know what, Um, they might not miss us. Well, guess what? That means some changes need to be made. And the change starts with you. And the change starts with me. What difference are we making? I mean, if we close the doors, would anybody care? I would hope so. I would hope the community would miss us. And, and, but you know what? Are we shining the light? If not, why not? And what do we got to do to repent? We, we, we can't be any longer just passive spectators going through the motions of church i don't know about you but jesus said that the gates of hell will not withstand his church and so you know what let's be one of them churches that just actually believe God's word and and let's storm the gates of hell let's get out there and storm it and it cannot withstand us but if we're going to be that kind of church We have to return to him. We have to repent so that we are the salt and light that we are called to be. Because otherwise, what are we doing here? What are we doing here today? If not to be challenged and go out and make a difference for all of eternity... Why am I up here wasting my time talking about, and, and no one really, frankly, you know what? I, I don't do a whole lot of talking other than on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. I don't do a whole lot more talking. And, and you know, I could use my, my few words as a man, cause you know, men only have a certain amount of words that they can speak every week, right? And I can use my words for something a little bit more effective. Like communicating with my wife. I mean, that, that happens every once in a while. I don't know how, how many times, even this past week, I'm like, oh, I didn't tell you that. I could have sworn I told you that. But I must have used up all my words, and I just didn't use them for her. Why am I wasting my breath up here if we aren't going to make a difference in the world? Repentance will show itself through self-humiliation, through confession of sin, through abhorrence of sin, through restitution if needed, through conversion if needed. It's a change. It's a complete change. But if we return to the Lord, we're never going to be the same. But very quickly, I, just, I don't have a point to go with it. I want you to listen to what God does when we repent and return. Because um, beginning in, in verse 18, and honestly, it, it goes way past what I read. It goes like through verse 27. Um, but it talks about Him restoring us And making us bountiful. Not bountiful like the world, you know, talks about being bountiful. Ooh, I have a lot of stuff. No, it's being spiritually enriched and empowered and making a a difference. And so, you know, he he talks about, Joel talks about the fact that God becomes jealous of his people again. And he has pity on them. And, And then he restores us to a place of kingdom usefulness. It talks about us being made fruitful Again, it talks about having a supernatural protection from God. It talks about spiritual empowerment for kingdom work. It talks about being radiant, shining the light of Christ in the darkest corners of the world. Amen. And this is what the world needs right now. No more anemic, self-centered, mamby-pamby, cream puff church. If the state of the modern church and the state of our church doesn't bother you even a little bit, we're part of the problem. We're not part of the solution. And, 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 you know, people might say that's harsh. I mean, if you know me, I don't have a harsh bone in my body, but, I mean, that's just reality. If we are so much more in love with this world and with ourselves, that we don't care one iota about eternal matters, what difference are we making for Christ? Why are we here? If people cared as much about the things of eternity as they do themselves or this world, what a difference we could make but are we seeking that i'll just come right out and say it if people cared about the things of eternity then our wednesday night bible studies and prayer meetings would be as full as sunday mornings can't believe he just went there if people cared as much about the things of eternity as they do themselves we would be out there sharing the gospel If people cared about the things of eternity as much as they do about the world and themselves, we would have longer seasons of prayer, but as it stands, we don't care. Unless it affects us personally, then then all of a sudden we care. And all the while, while we're not caring, the world is falling apart around us to the darkness. And I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of going through motions. I'm sick and tired of not seeing God's supernatural power on display in our church and in my life. I'm sick and tired of the darkness that just seems to always have the upper hand. This world needs a spiritually strong church that is in tune with the Holy Spirit. But it's not going to happen until we repent. God wants to restore us. He wants us to have... Uh, make a difference in this world and have a place of prominence and shining the light of Jesus Christ. But it is the path of repentance that leads us there. The question is, are we going to return to Him? Are we willing to walk that path? Well, if you are, come to the altar and begin the journey. And say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else in this church does, but it's going to begin with me. But maybe there's some here who can't begin the journey because you haven't even taken the first step of belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He died for your sin. He rose again. He will turn you from death unto life. But you have to repent, you have to turn, and you have to run to Him. And during the invitation, I'm going to be up front, and if you need to believe in Jesus, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Chad. We would love to tell you about this Jesus. I'm going to close in prayer, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. Is I'm going to pray a prayer that was given by the great preacher, George Whitfield, a, a short prayer of repentance, but by golly, I hope it was a reflection of our hearts. And so let's stand. We will pray and we will have our time of invitation. Oh, good Lord. Turn us, and so we shall be turned. Be favorable, O Lord. Be favorable to your people who turn to you in weeping and fasting and praying. For you are a merciful God. You are full of compassion, long-suffering, and of great pity. You spare when we deserve punishment. And in your wrath you think of mercy. Spare your people, good Lord. Spare them, and let not your heritage be brought to confusion. Hear us, O Lord, for your mercy is great. And after the multitude of your mercies, look upon us through the merits and the meditation of your blessed Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest_HBC. underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 AM. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.